to one Estelle Bailey Babenzine. Nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in from Long Island. Thank you, Lauren. Yes, I'm on Long Island at the moment. Nice one. Long Island, New York. How is it out there? It's good. I mean, honestly, I'm just in a little bit of small bubble trying to get a little peace of mind from being in the city and just the weight of everything that's happening Mm. at the moment has really been intense yeah exciting but intense it's occupying my mind fully Mm. and um I really feel for the world it's like it's just you know it's like revolution time right now this is a major change shifting consciousness for the world a major shift and we have an incredible opportunity to really make a big change and it requires full-on effort and um on everybody's part so it, t- it takes a lot of mental space yeah. so we came out here for um it's kind of like we're not going to be traveling on a family holiday to europe this year i'll have to go to europe to see my mom but mm. she's not doing too well and she's mm. a little ill but um i was like oh could, this could be a little bit of a family break so we just took a house out east for two weeks and um nice to have a piece of also yeah it's necessary yes part of me feels like a little not guilty but you know like I'm out here and I'm still working actually Brendan and I are still like full on every day this is not a time for holidays it's nice to get a bit of a mental break from I'm not looking at the news as much as not looking at Instagram as much and try to take a couple of days off from that so I can give space to other things because ultimately we still have to uh, make sure we're hopeful. We still have to make sure we're like a bright, positive ball and force of energy in this world. And to do that, you have to restore yourself sometimes, you know? Um, I really feel like um, as creative people as well, like you definitely need downtime to recharge. Otherwise you kind of lose that creative juju in your brain. Totally. Yeah. And that's why it's really important, I think, to meditate. And I've been off of my meditations lately mm. and I can see the difference because mm. I've been so occupied with in, in action mode yeah. and busy. But, um, yes, it's nice to get out here, just take a breather. And, yeah, you just reminded me just having this conversation. I'm like, yeah, it's been – I haven't meditated for a couple of weeks. You know, sometimes when I meditate every day, mm. it's incredible. Like, you, ju- you, ju- you know, you just see – this happening over time and then you you start for a few days and you just like plateau you know and then you're like oh shit something's not right and you know yeah gotta go back into that space yeah you gotta exercise that mindfulness muscle in your brain sometimes I feel like when you you exercise uh, when you meditate a lot you kind of feel like you're observing more than participating in life Um, and when you fall out of that who has a landline these days? With a landline. Amazing. It's crazy. I'm actually staying with my parents <laughs> at the moment and they have a landline. So people have landlines. Yeah, super old school. People have TVs and they have landlines. There's TVs in here too. Massive ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, the people that own this house, they're kind of like parents, I guess. I feel like I'm in my you know, grandparents' house. It's cute. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I'd really like to share with everyone kind of your 
your career path? Because it seems like you've been involved in a bunch of very creative, um, multi-dimensional aspects of things. And then you became an interior architect, which is what you, as that's what you work as now, um, as well as um, working mm-hmm. on Noah. Um, like, let's, can you share like how you, how you kind of navigated that? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, well, it's just been one of those things where, you know, you just really get into, you eventually get to exactly where you're meant to be. If it's something that you've always had in your mind and sometimes we don't hear it immediately or we, maybe we see it, but we don't. We get confused, I think, when we're young about we have all these ideas of creative things we wanted to do. And I've like loved all of them. But when I think back in it now, what I've always wanted to do, really, that's always been that little voice there. And that's now what I'm doing, you know, and I just had a journey to get there. Hi. You want to say hi, Sailor? Hi, Sailor. That's your mummy today. she can't hear you because I've got these on but that's her night dress actually let her just just let her watch a movie um but yeah so I've always felt creative and it was just more an exploration of that creativity um I think I love fashion I've always loved style so that's what I started in I went to Central St. Martin's and I knew I didn't want to be a designer per se, but I just wanted to work in the creative environment of fashion. So I, you know, you do design for the first year, it's a four year course. And then you do, um, it's like journalism, art direction, a lot of creative directions, just shoots, styling, um, branding, brand identity. That's basically what fashion communication and promotion is at St. Martin. So I did that course and it was called beautiful magazine and you've done everything within it. Uh, I worked with a couple of fashion designers in London, men's high-end fashion stuff. And, you know, it was just that world was so pretentious at the time in London. There's a lot of people on a lot of cocaine. And I I didn't see any people of color at all. Yeah. And honestly, it was just quite deflating. Mm. Yeah. And that just, it was really pretentious. Like the, the... you know, fashion brands now, there's way more of them that come from, like yours, like ours, that just come from a, a different place mm. completely. And you can feel that in the clothes. I don't think there were as many brands around at that time that um, reflected that. At least I didn't have access to them in London. Mm. And I was really like a little bit uninspired by that culture of it. As mm. much as I loved style, that I couldn't find the industry around it, the people around it. It was so, it was super fake. Mm. and um, it didn't resonate with me. So, and I wanted to do something that I felt had a positive impact mm. on the world. And what I saw was like, oh, this fashion stuff. I was like, but how is it? It, I did, it didn't feel soulful. It didn't feel like it was helpful. And then, you know, I've always loved music. So as part of my four-year degree course, I was asked, you have to do a year, a work placement year somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I always knew I wanted to go to New York. So that was definitely like from a kid I was like I see myself in London and I see myself in New York so I was like I'm going to New York (laughs) and actually I want to get a creative job that qualifies as a for my work placement year in university but it isn't in fashion 
I wanted to experience something else. So I looked for something in music, got super lucky through friend of a friend. And I was able to be, I was the creative assistant. I did a lot of non-creative stuff too for the, um, the head of a small record label and management company called Chiba Sounds. Mm-hmm. And we managed and also had signed D'Angelo oh. and Mark Bronson and Nika Costa. And that was just at the beginning of the Voodoo album recording of it you know so that was an absolutely incredible experience at that yeah it was super like 21 and such a like maybe 22 iconic iconic album too iconic album so and you know so intense and actually some of my best friends I met around that time one of my best friends Michelle she worked with Lauren Hill at the time and we would be communicating all the time because we were trying to get this one song done um the, the song with Lauren Hill on that album, the Roberta Flack cover, I think it is. Um, so they were going back, we were going back and forth. It was, it was such a mission to get them in the studio together with their schedules at the time. But Michelle and I bonded over that and that's been uh. really cool. But anyway, so then I, yeah, you know, I went into music to do this creative, express myself creatively in there and I managed a group. And for me, it was all about creating, being part of, of a music that will affect people and change mm. people and move people so I still thought I was kind of contributing to the world rather than just taking from it and that was the idea however you know I went back to London finished my degree came right back to New York and continued with the music stuff but I meant it was just you know sexist the discrimination against women in the industry, and especially at that time, like I love hip hop and R and B and soul music. I mean, I love a lot of types of music, but you know, the whole neo soul hip hop. Like, I love that movement, especially in that time, the two thousands. And it was just, you know, the sexism was insane. This club for sure, you know, and there was little respect for women, and those women that were respected. Honestly, they had to be bitches. They gave up their mm. lives. They couldn't, They, you know, having a relationship, forget it. You were competing so hard and you had to be so hard to compete with those men. It was just awful. So a, men, a really good friend of mine who was a bit of a mentor, he was, um, you know, pretty big deal and high up in the industry. And he was a friend. He was really sweet. He was a Estelle, like, look around you. I see you working so hard for your group and trying to do this. He's like, but do you want to have a family? Is this what you really want? Because look at the only women that are truly successful in this business. Just look at them and look at their lives. Mm. Um, and it's like, that's what it takes. Yeah. And I just saw that. I was like, yeah, actually you're dead. Right. This is not what I want for myself. You know, I definitely, I was, the reward wasn't worth it. So from that, I transitioned back into fashion and, um, Meanwhile, this whole time doing these things, from a young age, what I'd loved was renovation shows on television <laughs> and interior design. And I'd always loved it, but I just thought it was like a little hobby, you know? And I was always thought, oh, what I'm going to do with my money when I make all my money in fashion or music, I'm going to buy houses and renovate them and make them into like little luxury inns or rental properties or little, you know, toothbrush things or, you know, or just flip them and yeah, sell them. Or, them. But, you know, it was all about, 
but um, but it, I wanted to do more. I wanted to create experiences. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make little inns or beautiful, like private rental properties where you could have a couple of people come at a time. And I just imagine flipping all these places all over Europe and having villas transformed into these like beautiful living experiences. And but yeah, I was just like, that's what I would do with my money. That's how I would invest it, and that would be my fun hobby when I'm older. You know, it's just and it's just very really funny how I didn't think as like no, I this is clearly something I should decide to be my career. You know, this is what I should do. Just didn't think about it that way. And now, you know, whenever I speak to young people, just ask them to really think carefully about that little voice mm. about what they imagine later, and just to track their careers towards that because sometimes that little aspiration or that voice is just you need someone to help you connect on the right steps to take to make that profitable for yourself yeah. or where to start to begin your experience yeah. you know I had a lot of interest so it's easy to get distracted yeah. you know you love music you love fashion and I had a, you know I had such an incredible life it was so yeah. fun and traveling a lot yeah. When like opportunities yeah. bounce bounce up, you know, like you just, you know, you, you know, like these are kind of once in a lifetime kind of things, and you just want to, you're like, okay, yes, like I'll dive into that, yeah. and you just kind of get taken right. by that. But I can totally, um, I feel you when you say like, you get to a certain point, and you're like what do I really want in life? Do I want this one dimensional career? Do I want to like turn into a different human that is inside me to compete and be at the top and be tough? Or do I want like, do I want a family or do I want to have more than, do I want relationship? Do I want to have a more full life? And I feel like, um, like with my brand, that's something that I kind of like I'm always trying to figure out is like I feel like um, in Western society in particular, like women are kind of raised to be these kind of competitive, powerful career yeah. people. But like the feminine yeah. is not nurtured inside us and it's almost – I almost felt like – feminine qualities were kind of like this second class kind of kind of like you know um quality that like a weakness yeah it it was like a weakness and now I've gotten to a point where I'm like no like absolutely not yeah yeah it gives your life so much richness and yeah oh, so, it does yeah totally and it's beauty and it's just like yeah. beauty it's like the art of doing things you know yeah, absolutely it's that way it's that balance of life and honestly that is the fabric that's like the that's like silk when it's so strong like the fabric of the net yeah. that keep woven it keeps it all together and yeah that was something I had to learn too like mm. through my journey um so how do you so so how did you like go on to the the interior architecture? Were you self taught or um, how did you get into so, that? To- totally self taught. Always had a bit of a um, you know I'm creative, so mm. uh, you you always have creative expression. You're an artist. You know how you want things to look and feel. Um, for me. 
it's just a natural thing. It's a natural affinity. Like I go into a place, a restaurant, wherever I go, and I'm like, oh, that should be there. This lighting should be this. Why is it laid out like that? It doesn't make sense. You know, you should have the tables there. And I constantly analyze everything super fast and think about how it all should be switched up and changed. And it was just an instinctual thing that I did that. So after the music, after I got, you know, really disenchanted with the industry, the music industry, I went on to do a couple of other endeavors. I worked for myself. Like I've consulted with tons of brands. I even started a brand with an ex called Bill Willie and Team Humanity, which was all based upon the five principles of motivation, perseverance, truth, awareness, and um, and open-mindedness. Mm. We went deep into the, what this brand represented and we we created a whole like youth ambassador program to wow. empower youth. And it was like deeply rooted in consciousness and giving back, but it mm. was, yeah, it was like some special items. Like we had these five jackets that we sold at Colette and it was like a whole thing. And then we had a sub brand, which he still does called team humanity, which was more athletic stuff. It was for the youth. It was super cool. Mm. So my roots in like creating um, a creative brand, like, had started then and again it went back to that need to want to sort of give back somewhat and then and I worked I did other creative art direction projects but I also started working in stores doing visual merchandising Mm. as freelance it was like you know it was good money it was Mm. kind of fun a lot of travel often you're working overnight through the night like setting up the store and it was really exhausting but we were young few of my friends did it. So we had fun together creating dope stores. Um, last one I was doing it for was Donna Karen stores and DKNY, unfortunately, before they closed. But we worked with like several brands and it was fun. And it definitely, you know, then I, and during that whole time I was doing that, I wanted to start a business, which was a store that was actually a, a whole house. Mm. And... Um, Everything in the house, it's this idea before the line did it and before a bunch of other places now doing it. I had this concept for years where I just wanted to create the house and everything within the house is for sale, but I would have different people curate or be the buyers for certain areas. So, and not necessarily fashion buyers from other stores, but just people with really good style mm-hmm. come on almost as a guest buyer and curate the men's wardrobe, like walking closet and someone else to do the woman. This, this person I knew had the best taste in home goods like linings and stuff she loved that and she was going to curate like the linen closet so it was just like a an experience where you could come in I wanted to do a, a rest a kitchen and have chefs come and you know do special meals that you just find out at the beginning of the week who's coming to cook and then you you know you make your reservation or events and just create a really dope space for yeah. all kinds of experiences that was designed like the living room and the furniture within it everything is basically for sale but you can instead of having stock of stuff you would just have it delivered yeah and you just know, the fact this that would be more, more like a showroom right and like the yeah. fact that so many people are involved it, it feels very community like it feels like the heart the heart of a kind of a community space like yeah yeah yeah, it's like oh you're my friend you're really good at this and and actually you know now at my age I mean you know I've come up against all my friends around me and all my friends are in like these great positions we've all come up together so it would be even more easy actually just just to do that because 
really know all these people in these mm. great positions that could contribute and do like amazing stuff and artists and so anywho that was my concept and at one point I was looking everywhere for a place I did a business plan the whole thing and then something hit some sort of recession or crazy something happened um, yeah, maybe I'm terrible with years. <laughs> I never remember any years. Let's I just, just say have a mental block a for that. Re- a recession. Yeah, it's probably around that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, the visuals, merchandising, and design. I realized I really need to pursue the passion with interior architecture and experiential um, design. So I I worked with a friend of mine, Chris Tierney, who's a really dope interior designer he has a couple of bars which were beautiful and he had a big project for a restaurant in Manhattan he's like come on and work on it with me so we did it and um did together it came out incredible and I just realized I'm like shit I'm actually really good at this I need to really continue doing it and it was fun and then you know Brendan and I got together um just before that happened and he always knew my aspirations and he was at Supreme at the time and I know he'd done Noah before and I'm like you know we've got to do Noah again I was like actually you have to do Noah again but I was so passionate about it it's like we (laughs) were doing Noah again and um and and so we did and we just like it's based upon both of our ideas like one of the amazing thing with Brendan and I like when we first met we were just like best friends for like six months before we actually got together but we just shared the same um, principles and goals and this ethos. We we just we want this. We want the same things. So how we get there um, is also in a line. It's like okay, like you're really talented. Let's create this brand. So, um, so yeah, that was aligned, and that's really awesome actually to have that I mean yeah it's difficult sometimes and we definitely most of our arguments we always say are caused like from work but the other amazing beautiful thing is that we're on this journey together and we have this purpose mm. together and you know ultimately that's the really it's really important yeah and so it, it's good to be aligned it's a journey and a mission you know and and, and at it's the same good. time, we got pregnant and yeah. we had a baby. So, <laughs> and I think that. it's interesting, like to have two sides, like you know, that's that's nature as well, like order and chaos, yin and yang. You need two two sides to balance, like you know. Otherwise, sometimes I feel like if you are the sole kind of driver of a brand or something, you can become kind of like tunnel visioned. But when you have mm-hmm. like a partner, there's there's input there's kind of two input channels and like you can kind of maybe you argue about stuff but but in in the end you probably get a better outcome from from whatever right I'd like to, we challenge I'd like each to other think, we learn and, yeah i'd like to right, think so in a perfect world yeah yeah i mean but you win some is, you like, lose some too we do and honestly it's not so bad because it's you know, like, so the ethos of the brand and the ideas of what we do and how we represent ourselves and all that kind of stuff, and somewhat like the content, the creative content that we create, we work on that stuff together. But mm. ultimately, Brendan's the designer of the, all the clothing. 
sometimes he asks my opinion for sure and I'll give it mm. sometimes he doesn't ask and I give it anyway but ultimately <laughs> like I love and trust everything he does so I, he just takes mm. care of that and then when it comes to the interiors of the stores and that obviously I ask Brendan's opinion mm. and and that's great but he just leaves me to it I mean he's not I, that so that is good because we we ultimately both have our areas where yeah. you know we have, have make, there's no discussing mm. we just that's what I do I make the executive decision that's what he does he makes the executive decision yeah. and ultimately you know this brand is born Brendan started this brand like mm. even before he'd met me it's born from his soul so that's like you know it has to always be yeah. his ultimate vision luckily we just met and we fell in love and we had the same taste and I had this vision of creating these stores with these experiences. And mm. it's like, we can blend our, we can blend our passion and our visions and create this space. So, um, and we, you know, the brand, the lifestyle of the brand is basically the life that we live too. Mm. So it's all, it's, you know, it definitely we have our challenges, but it's been, it's been cool. And it's, you know, like now, now, I feel like we can expand like all of my visions and dreams of what I wanted to do. At first I was going to do them all separately to Noah, but I'm like, no, we can continue to mm. do it through Noah. Like I would love to do a guest house and Noah guest house and just have a lifestyle there and, you know, surf shack, uh, shared and bikes and all kind of paddle boards and all this kind of fun stuff. You can yeah. go out and be active, but a really beautiful space, small, um, like five room houses guest house or something or in be super cool yeah so you know it's totally and I love creating the stores like yeah. that yeah it's like why not and then the stores are all they're all built to just feel like places for uh, gathering so like for conversation like not just to shop you know that is not the sole purpose of our shops at all like this yeah. clothing should be secondary to the people that you are and what you're into in life. Yeah. And the clothing is complements that and it's expression of that and it's functional. And it's, it's, it's great. It make, they make you feel good, but um, we never wanted to create a space where, you, you know, the clothes feel so precious mm. and they're almost more than what you are. And I do love that too. I mean, I love, I enjoy that experience of going into those stores and really, you know, the clothes of the art. Yeah. Um, but just a bit more socially Yeah, engaged. sometimes those kind of spaces feel very, like, elitist as well. Like, for yeah. a regular person, it feels intimidating to go into a store like that. It, it totally does. Yeah. I mean, even I feel intimidated, yeah. and I'm, like, into that kind. I, I appreciate yeah. that for what it is, but even I and I, I don't really like that feeling. Mm. Um. Because it makes you some like now I'm older and I'm more confident and I, but I know sometimes when I was younger I would feel like I'd go into a place like that and have to feel like I have to be something I'm not like mm. I had to act up or you know kind of go to that level which yeah 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 my husband always and like bit... makes me like um kind of like he latches on to me when we go into a kind of one of those kind of stores because he feels like from the way he looks people always think he's gonna steal shit as well <laughs> so yeah it's like real men like there's so many levels to this kind of environment um 
it kind of says a lot about that kind of old-fashioned fashion industry as well. Like, um, it's pretty outdated, but it still exists, like, in a big way. Your your man's black, right? No, he's half Asian, but he looks like you can't tell where he's from. Um, He could look Middle Eastern. He could look Asian. He could look like a bunch of things. I mean, it's crazy. He he feels that um, he feels that it people are intimidated by him, or they they just. Well, I'll put it like put it straight up. Like this is. Like, this happens to us all the time, okay? We go into a restaurant. People see us entering the room and out of the, they'll see us enter out of the corner of their eye and they'll just go and reach. Yeah. They'll reach for their phone to check that it's still in their pocket or, like, they'll reach for the wallet on the dinner, dinner table and, like, slide it down into their bag or, like... I, we've we've been we've so many times we've walked down the street and like old ladies have crossed the road so that they won't have to like pass us and stuff like that like it's like a pretty common like everyday kind of thing to it's uh, yeah. yeah yeah um it's so funny the constructs of people and and how we're conditioned to thinking certain things mm. and how we put meaning to certain symbols and signs and these images are just perpetuated through we keep repeating the same patterns mm. yeah yeah that's how racism is built it's institutionalized it's like preconceived notions and ideas of what somebody is based upon how they look yeah and it's so deep that it's almost you're behaving your behavior is so used to be doing this thing from a young age that you don't, you're not even aware that you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like people, there's, there's this ignorance there and there shouldn't be, but they're raised with it. They don't yeah. even realize that you're doing it. It's just a learned behavior. And the only way to, to for that to dissipate and like to get better is for these things to, to be happening that are happening right now. Mm. Um, murders that blatant. things that have been happening every day but because it's been it for many years but because there's been a pandemic people have been forced to pay attention everyone's been still no one can think about anything else that people are learning in this few months what's important to them and what's not they're a little bit more soulful their life isn't so fast they don't need all the luxury goods and all the other crap i feel like everyone's been a little more conscious just generally and now these brutal sacrifices have been made these murders where it's in your face and it's asking people yeah we're talking in america we're talking about black and white but ultimately the message is global it's like how do we treat people that look different to us and why do we do it yeah yeah we we, we're uneducated you know white people in america don't know the real history of their country they didn't juneteenth today did you know it's juneteenth today yeah right I could go on, a, we're celebrating Juneteenth in America, which is a day from, it's 1865 uh, when the last slaves were finally freed. They were supposed to be freed two years prior, but they didn't even know their slave owner didn't even tell them they were free. In the whole state of Texas, he had, they hadn't gotten down there yet to let people know. So, I mean, that's anywho, the thing. I this, feel like this whole, 
to me. Um, I keep this word integrity keeps coming up. And to me, like this, this whole thing is like teaching us that we can't just, we need to take responsibility of how we educate our kids, not just leaving it to the schools, which are, you know, Mm -hmm. really um, the school curriculum is, is written by a government body. So it's really an agenda of whatever government is. um, An agenda. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like if anything, we as individuals need to be taking responsibility for everything in life. Um, Like, you know, pushing, I I spoke to Belinda Baggs, she's a surf activist and um, the other week and, you know, she, she told me. Oh, you're cutting out a little bit. You're frozen. How's it? How's it now? Poor connection. Poor connection. Can you hear me? I, I mean, sometimes it stops a little yeah. bit. But um, is it? How's it? Is it going to be fine on your side still? My side. Okay. It's all right on my side, but if it gets bad, I'll, we'll do a pause. Okay. Um, but. Okay. Yeah. What was I? Yeah. So I was talking to Belinda Bags. She's a surf activist from Australia. And she actually like there were there were there was threat of oil drilling in the Great Australian Bight, which is like this incredible coastline in the south of Australia, and um, they actually gathered enough people to rally to stop like oil drilling in the Great Australian Bight. Like wow, so, like I know it was a super like high vibe thing because you like never hear that these kind of things actually like stop anything. Yeah, they can actually do it. <laughs> right. Um, wow. But like it That's just amazing. yeah, it just kind of made me realize like we need to fucking like stop like scrolling on Instagram, looking at food pictures or whatever the hell people do and like actually take responsibility for our lives exactly right but yeah exactly and like one thing okay I grew up in Australia um it's a it is a very white fragile um racist place um and Mm -hmm. and it's it is a relatively young country even much younger than America um and so they are dealing with racism um, in a big way, um, probably a, a few steps before um, before where America is right now. Um, but I think white fragility is is really hard to decondition, and that's mm-hmm. like the the biggest thing I see out of this is like the real that this kind of self-centeredness that feels like the everything is an attack on you personally whereas whereas like if you deal with your own mess in your head like you'll be able to start to like care about this the world the sphere around you um and i feel yeah. like white people haven't really dealt with their shit <laughs> like right <laughs> enough to um you know and i'm saying this as a half white person you know like we all need to like deal with the the demons in our head before we can like figure stuff out but um they just they run really deep and i think it's we just have to like let go of the ego 
Yeah. First of all, it's like people are so protective of their ego, yes. which is based on, you know, fear. Mm. And like, like you said, fragility, that's what ego is. Yeah. And it's really hard to think it, it's like even everyone deals with it, even in, in relationships, mm. you know, just to sort of like take accountability for what you're doing wrong, yeah. not just thinking, you know, not just projecting or thinking about what they're doing wrong, just really looking at yourself like what I'm doing wrong and loving that person enough to do that yeah. and look and like, and like take time to be like, okay, yeah, it's, people say it takes pain for people to really change. The only thing that changes somebody is change, is pain. And it's like when you're about to break up with someone and you're in so much pain and the only way that person, you have to change in for things to really, for you to change and evolve as a person, you have to be, the pain has to be so deep that you're like, what am I, what did I do wrong? How yeah. can I fix this? Like I'm, I'm fucked up. And it's the same with, as we get older, we're either more able to do it because we become more enlightened and more conscious or we get more stuck in our ways and um, mm. get stuck and yes. can't open up yeah. and admit that. Just let you go one way or another. It's like the age thing. Yeah, They and, say that's um, about 50. I don't know how true that is, but they say it's like around 50. <laughs> right. I mean, I love old people, though. I mean, yeah. I absolutely... They just, just wise old people. Yeah. The ones that are stuck in their ways, though, and refuse to evolve, that's a different thing. But and I just feel like that same thing, that dynamic that we have with people that we care about and how we're willing to, is the thing, same thing we need to have with, with society in general, mm. systems, strangers, mm. and, well, just how we interact with our culture. Yes. Racism being, like, obviously the number one thing and everybody's racist everybody is it's just a product of your you're a product of your human consciousness your human it, we all we all have ideas and projections and preconceived notions of other people from mm. other places based upon what we've been taught and we have to just unteach ourselves you know and uh, think think differently like yeah. curiosity rather than fear yeah. you know anywho yeah yeah um yeah it is a really heavy time right now I think yeah and you know honestly I think people are honestly afraid of the you know black people especially those you know like when you go to Africa have you ever been to Africa no I haven't actually you got to go. Yeah. It's such an intense experience. It's not a holiday. I mean, yeah, there's places you can go and have a holiday and it'd be lovely, but it's more of a, a journey. You know, it's more of a, it's an experience, but it's, it's like mother earth. You go there, the people, the passion, the poverty, the strength. It's really like a lot to take in and it, it's quite it's super powerful mm. and I can really understand how you know white people went there and couldn't deal with it it was too much and they were just wanted to colonize and control it and it was it's intimidating um I can like I'm starting to understand that I, these ideas from a psychological position of like why did it why did we get to where we are yeah. you know as a and it, it's 
even now, like African-American people here, like when they put their minds to something and they do something, it's just beautiful and brave song. And it's, I think that's intimidating. I think you hit the nail on the head. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. White people don't like it because like, you know, in music, you know, Black people make way cooler and more beautiful music than than white people can make right now, and and it, it hits that right. really sensitive bit, you know, like no. ego thing, um, which is really interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about. Actually- He's like, oh, golf, best golfer of yeah. all time, Tiger Woods. <laughs> all their sports, tennis. Oh, greatest tennis player of all time, Serena Williams. It's like shit. Yeah, yeah. This is supposed to be the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Anywho, sorry. Yeah, carry on. One day, I think, like you know, we're all going to be so mixed and multicultural that you know, that's my hope. But it's yeah, this will take seem like the most limited, un. Yeah, that yeah. it's going to this way racism at some point, or that is going to be such an archaic way yeah. of thinking, like such low vibration yeah. intelligence. It's just like what. That is so dumb. Like, people actually cared about that stuff. Well, you, you know, you need to have the ability to see mm, beyond mm, our physical. Yeah. Well, you know so what gives me hope is, like, and it, with yeah. my kind of process, I I love digging at flea markets and looking at old stuff and even and looking at and researching, you know, different periods in modern history and ancient history. But you look at things just... 10, 20, 30 years ago, you look at magazines and, and TV footage and stuff and you see how, how like, how insanely racist this kind of footage sounds. Every decade right. it gets a little, the, it peels back a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, yeah. when I feel so hopeless about right now, I look to these kind of like old clips and stuff and you feel like, okay, we, we're getting somewhere. It's, you like you know, right? We're slowly getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We've definitely improved. There's way less wars now, way less deaths as well. Yeah. There's less of. We're in a better place. It just we're also more conscious, so the bad also just seems really, really bad still. But and I just wish it could speed up a little bit. Yeah. Just like, can I see some speed in this raising of people's consciousness? This kind of like, come on, can we? What does it take? But it's things like pandemics which you know there's a whole other agenda there that it could be you know some whole other conspiracy theory which is a whole other conversation of how the pandemic and why and who's controlling it that's the whole thing but ultimately we are 2020 it's a special year this Mm. 2020 vision thing and how we can um how we evolving and maybe this has been a bit of a shift because i feel like maybe you go like that and then sometimes there might be an upward spike in a shift of consciousness yeah. and things will get a little bit better because we can't go back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. No, normal wasn't working. Yeah. Um, what? So what do you... And like, I think, you know, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, What? what is the new reality that you want to make true? Like, what is it? What does it look like? Um... I, I just want people to be more operate from a point of win-win mm. kind of capitalism, different capitalism, win-win. Mm. Everything I do should be a win for me and a win for you. Mm. 
win for win for the planet. Like, let's make the best situation that is balanced. That mm. does right. We don't need to be the richest. We don't need to have the most money. Mm. Let's accept less money, but it's better for the environment. Let's pay a little bit more for this, but then those those bags aren't um, suffocating our our sea life and ourselves, and we don't have microplastics mm-hmm. in the air. And you know, just just learning, being open to learning, actively learning, consciously, actively making an effort uh, to do the right and to create a future, like taking a future seriously, caring, just truly caring for all living things, living in balance. Like I think that's what everything should be. Every business should have a win-win. Like we started our business this way and I wish, and I want every other business to do the same thing. It's like you build your business plan around, around you know, just it for the sake of producing and growth mm. for the sake of growth. It's just, what are you doing? All you're doing is filling the earth with stuff don't need let's think about yes people do need clothing what's the integrity in those clothing mm. what is the purpose of the brand like are you just taking from the earth are you being sustainably minded like we can all exist and coexist we have to find a better way to do it so it's about being really environmentally conscious mm. thinking every choice that we make um and pe- you know like people conscious just being really aware of the choices and trying to build our vocations that have a purpose. So we know that ultimately we don't have to have a guilty conscience. Like we did our part. Mm. Everyone needs to do their part because yeah. there's a lot of undoing of bad crap. Um, and oh, that's the, that's the human race. This is survival of the fittest thing. No, I think it's survival of the, the survival of us everybody you know together survival of the global community and the earth let's like survive as planet earth as one ecosystem Mm. we're part of the ecosystem and we've just been killing it so yeah that is survival of the nurtured what i hope has come out of this yeah the nurtured let's nurture each other not the fittest but the nurtured yeah um, that brings yeah. yeah so go ahead um yeah it just went what you said just then um it kind of reminds me of there's I don't know if you've heard of an economist his name is Robert Reich um he wrote this book called Saving Capitalism if you haven't uh, if you don't know about him really should check it out um he they made it into yeah. a Netflix documentary as well so you can get the like oh wow the Cliff Notes version on Netflix um but he so he explains that, you know, um, you know, in the 70s and 80s, small businesses were a countervailing force to corporations. So they kind of like mm-hmm. there were enough small businesses to balance out big corporation, you know, but now in t- 2020, corporate, there, there are just not enough small businesses because government, right. because lobbyists um, and government have have kind of become mm-hmm. corrupt in a nutshell and corporation got way too big so no matter you know how hard you try, it, it has become very hard to have a small business um because um small right. businesses are heavily taxed and you know corporation has so many ridiculous tax breaks it's you know globally not just in america but globally mm-hmm. um so you mm-hmm. know yeah check him out he's really 
he has a very interesting perspective on this, but I really believe that the way, like a logical way forward is breaking things down. Things got way too big. Absolutely. And, um, mm-hmm. mor- in, and let's govern our society through morale, morality and not power. Let's, let's exactly. aim for morality. Let's not value power like it's everything. And, you know, and that's the problem here. Yeah, that's how we're going to, that's the only way we're going to move forward and consumer power. power. Consumers can make a difference. Yeah. We can, we have the power in numbers to make these choices. Absolutely. So, like, exactly. And that's why I say it's like every choice you make, everything you purchase, everything, like, try to think about everything and look what, where are you purchasing it from? Yeah. What are you supporting? We're just about to change our banking. Mm. I mean, you know, I wasn't aware until this year, actually, of exactly how my bank operates and what they support. Mm. And I'm supporting that agenda by banking with them. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. I'm not going to have, and I, you know, I've gotten so used to having the app from my bank, you know, like I have the Chase Bank app and it's like super useful. But you know, Chase and with JP Morgan Chase, and they're the worst one. Mm, mm. They're the worst one yeah. in what they support and how they money. And it's, it's so toxic for the environment. So it's all of the way, yeah, changing all of those decisions and the power yeah. of our dollars is what's yeah. really going to break things down again, like you said. And um, supporting small business. We should all be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's end yeah. on a high note. I just want to quickly touch on what. Your what becoming a mum changed your perspective on the world. How how did that change your perspective on the world? How did it change you as a person? You know, I always see that people answer these questions and they're like, "Oh, I became a mum," and this and that. And honestly, it didn't. Like, oh. And I, I I like that, but I'm like, it didn't really change. I was always meant to be a mother. It was so natural for me. Um. Becoming a mum is, is wonderful and as magnificent as it is. I don't think it's changed me that much. And I know people always say people change so much when you become a parent. Yes, you have to become less selfish, which is awesome. And mm. that's happened. But my worldview hasn't changed. Mm. I think I was always meant to be a mum. I was always ready to be a mum. It's been really natural to me. It's been wonderful. And I was ready for it. I've always, I think I've always kind of been a mom, even to my friends. Like that mentality of always wanting to uh, be so honest with someone, wanting the best for somebody. Like I always wanted the best for my friends. And even if I had to tell them something that they didn't like or, you know, risk them not being hurt about something, I was always doing because I cared for them that much. And that's how I feel about um, being a parent it's like you just want to really nurture that person and be there for them and so it's been really cool um but yes being a mom forces you to be a little bit uh less selfish and um but ultimately it's amazing to be able to sort of bring a life into this world that you know you feel like they could be a, a positive force I've always thought I would raise somebody or have a child that could really be an addition to the world to help us get to like a better place, you know, and hopefully she'll turn out like that. She won't be a criminal and do the opposite, but who knows? I just got to let that go now. And she'll be what she will be. <laughs> ah, humility. Um, but yeah, 
yeah so we'll see it's going to be it's been wonderful and and I just I want to say this too actually because this is quite important Mm. to me I was lucky enough to have a child and want a child and I totally respect those that don't want children but I always felt like I would adopt as well Mm. and I would still like to it's just bloody difficult and it's really expensive and it's a whole thing Mm. um because there's so many children out there just need love and need a home and want to be part of a family and I think it's super important for people that want children but can't have their own to not lose sight of what having a child is Mm. you know if a child is is an extension of yourself but it could be an extension of your soul it doesn't have to be genetically an extension of yourself that's actually you know I, I get it wanting to sort of go through the process of pregnancy and do that um I understand that paying that forward you know, lending your genes going forward. But ultimately, that's physical. It's just a physical thing. And then there's this whole metaphysical social, like soul connection, and that doesn't have to be um, genetic at all. And there's so, you know, it's really important, I think, for this, yes, people aren't as fertile, God knows whatever reasons, but there's still tons of kids. Yeah. And they just really want to, I'd love to, um, I feel like just ask people to be more open yeah, to that. I feel like even if you don't adopt kids, there are so many kids in need who need like advice or mentorship or like you know. Yes. There are lots of at-risk youths out there who really need like someone to show them the right way, and you don't need to adopt them. Absolutely. You just have to share a bit of yeah. your heart with them, you know, and your time. Right. Share your time. And that can them. be so powerful. Yeah, because actually a lot of these kids and people in general, that little bit of love that they'll get from that relationship, mm. you know, they might like that, they'll get from a whole lifetime, you yeah. know, of a parent that doesn't love them or give them the right attention. It's small but life-changing uh, to somebody. And the exposure to things is life-changing. So, yeah, actually, it's like one of those things you learn the influence of these small things, but ultimately love the power of love and how that can really impact somebody's everything so yeah and the high note just giving more love finding more places to give the love is how we can be revolutionary yeah and uh, make this work well thank you so much for spending your time i love chatting with you yeah. i could chat with you for hours absolutely let's do this another time well if anyone wants to check out you know what you're doing and stuff how how do they how do they do that um i you know follow noah be part of noah go visit our stores we have a new one opening in osaka we're very excited oh, about exciting. um on the Yes, at the end of June, and it's beautiful. I think it might be my best work so far. It's a hundred-year-old noodle shop, which with remain the integrity of the noodle shop. We're calling it the Noah Noodle Shop, actually, and we will be serving oh, really good so high-end, like gourmet gourmet pot noodles. Oh. Yeah, and everything is custom design in there. It's super exciting and, like, so psyched. I can't believe, because of coronavirus, I can't actually be there yeah. right now for the final touches, but I'm on Zoom every day, and it's good. And then... Um, so you know my website my instagram is at the dream awake and my website is um thedreamawake.com where i just have other interior design projects on there too yeah all right well thanks estelle bye everybody
Bye, Laura.